Hey there, it's Scary Parish. It's Wednesday, February 13, 2019. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, sometimes discuss leaky black. Matt Norland is here with me. And when I say it's Wednesday, that's because it is technically Wednesday, but it's like 1.40 a.m. Eastern. So practically speaking, it's really just like late Tuesday night. I just got out of studio in New York City. Norlander is home in Connecticut, so this is a special After Dark edition of the Ion College Basketball Podcast. And we had controversy inside Rupp Arena on Tuesday night. We're going to get to that, I promise. But we have to open on Duke Louisville. Chris Max Cardinals up 23 points at home, under 10 to play. Looks like we're headed for a blowout at the Yum Center. And then Duke got going, pressing, creating turnovers, burying threes. Blue Devils storm back, final score, number two Duke 71, number 16 Louisville 69. Nice. It was 59-36, 908 remaining. Duke closes. 35 to 10 run Norlander. Was it an amazing comeback, an embarrassing collapse, or some combination of the two? Yeah, no, the combination is the easy answer. No, no, no. This is collapse all the way through. This is uh, something that those players and that coaching staff are going to live with forever and never forget. Uh, Louisville, I, I don't, I, their spirits got snatched from them down the stretch here. Um, there was a weird sequence. Like, so this is all happening, and, you know, right in the court report, <laughs> left North Carolina at 4 in the morning to be the snowstorm. Thankfully got back so we can get you a podcast well in time here. And I look up, and, like, they had a fast-break opportunity, and they didn't score. They, like, took the ball out. Like, you still need points at that point. It was it was weird, man. Like, Zion Williamson was incredible once he came in in a four-foul situation, didn't foul out. Cam Reddish played really well. Like, you know, Trey Jones was – they went full court with him, and he forced a couple of turnovers. And they, they hit, you know, they hit big shots, and then we'll get to the 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 charge that wasn't whatever. But uh, Louisville just blows a massive opportunity here. Like – I, they're going to get in the tournament, and all that, but this is this like I don't I don't know how you shake this as a player, like as a staff. It's your job. You got to get them like get them the hell away from this game as fast as you possibly can. But to me, this was as bad of a loss as I think. I'd say I don't know if I've ever seen Parrish, but I do think it's worse than Maryland blowing a ten point lead in the final minute at home against Duke in two thousand one. Um, it's I. I it's not as bad, probably, as the Northern Iowa-Texas A&M game in the tournament because, one, that's the tournament. Uh, Cincinnati last year versus Nevada was probably worse. Gonzaga versus UCLA is still worse. The Bulldogs and Adam Morrison had zero business ever losing that game. That's the most frustrating loss I think I've ever watched a team endure in any setting. Insane. Maryland losing to Duke. Uh, I think that same season, back, by the way, in the Final Four was bad. But in regular season, Parrish? Like, I know that LSU came back and won against Missouri like two weeks ago, and it was crazy. And there have been statistically, like, there have been statistically bigger ones this season. But the, if you watched how this played out, like, this was lemon booty of all lemon booty. And this was all about Louisville collapsing more than Duke coming back. My final thought on this, and I really wanted to have a quick answer and give it back to you, but whatever. Fired up. I'm on no sleep. Got thoughts left and right. Um, like, Duke wins at Virginia in a crazy way, and then it comes out and it's just terrible from three, right? And then it does this. Like, the message that this team keeps sending is it just doesn't matter that we have mostly freshmen like scoring all our points, getting our, our rebounds and steals and assists. We, we, are, we are showing you that, like, you better be damn scared of us because it just doesn't matter. You can go ahead and lead us by 23 in the second half. 
we still going to come back and beat you. They did that here. Congrats to Duke, but to me, this is more on Louisville. Uh, this is um, hilarious because I'm – I'm a, I know you've been working nonstop. I, I'm assuming you did not watch us on Inside College Basketball tonight, but and you and I did not talk in advance of basically hitting record. And everything you just said is stuff I said on TV an hour ago. <laughs> okay. it, 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 I, I, like I know you're not copying me because I know you wouldn't do that. Um, but our our thoughts on this line up perfectly. That was a collapse. Um, you're a top twenty team in America. You're at home in front of 20,000 people. You're up 23 points, less than 10 to play. And it's really like almost now only nine to play. It was 9.08 left. And when at the 9.08 mark, you go back and look at the play-by-play. 9.08 mark, Duke's down 23 points. I don't care how good Duke is, how great Zion is. You, you don't blow a 23-point lead at home if you're a legitimate top 20 team in America to anybody. And I'm not, I, I should rephrase. I still think Louisville is a legitimate top 20 team, but like that's not supposed to happen. And the sequence you pointed out is the exact sequence that I pointed out on television. Okay. Three and a half minutes to go. And Louisville's in transition. It's like turnover, turnover. Like The game's just getting wild because Duke is applying pressure all over the court. And so it's but, – but Louisville finds itself in transition with, with numbers. And they pull the ball out. They've got the ball in the lane and then pulled it out. The way you do when you're up five with, you know, 20 seconds to go or or, or 11 mm-hmm. seconds to go. You're like, okay, well, let's just run this clock. Now foul me. I'll go to the free throw line. We'll end this thing. But there was like three and a half minutes to go. And that was the moment. I, I, I'm in the studio with Brent Stover, Brendan Haywood, John Rostin. I said, they're going to lose the game because they stopped playing. It's like it's like they they're trying to run this clock out, and there's too much time for that, and too many good players on the other side, and the clock did eventually run out. It always does, but because of the way Louisville got first rattled, and then I think I don't want to be hyperbolic. I don't know if scared's the right word, but they stopped playing basketball and started trying to just hold on. And when that that when that became so obvious on the exact possession you referenced. Um, it was clear to me that that they were probably going to lose the game, and then of course uh, they did. It, you, listen, it, I do think the accurate answer is that it was an amazing comeback and a collapse. Like you kind of have sort of both mm. to 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 erase a twenty three point deficit in in roughly nine minutes, but that was way more of a collapse than it was a comeback. Uh, you know, John Rosti made this point on on television. He said, you know, this one's going to stick with Chris Mack forever. And I, I do think this is kind of true. Like, Chris has coached a lot of games, big games. And he's going to coach a lot more, big ones. This one he'll remember forever. You never forget something like this. No shot. Like, someone, you know, 10 years from now, you know, if Max still with Louisville or whoever, like, <laughs> get him to talk about this game 10 years after the fact because he's going to remember 74 details about this that almost everyone will have forgotten. You just how can we ain't wait for 10 years? We're gonna get him to talk about it at the blackjack table <laughs> at the Cosmo in July. I know, but I'm saying, like, the point is, like, you get it doesn't matter how many years pass, like, he's still gonna know. Like, there's just things that are gonna ring out. And ah, geez, yeah, uh, Duke outscored Louisville 35 to 10 basically in the final nine minutes. Um, and so real quick, because we'll probably compare this stuff when we get to the Kentucky LSU, but whatever, like 
like yeah, it was a charge, uh, but the but was it Cunningham who whoever had the foot in the circle like Cam Reddish committed a charge, but that's why there's the the half circles there. So they it was they went back and they reviewed it and it was right because you can't have your foot. That's just the rule. So I I don't disagree with that uh, in principle, but man, like it it was amazing to see how everything went wrong. By the way, uh, UCLA on the previous podcast, like UCLA had an absurd blown lead to Utah and like even less time. So we've seen, we've just seen collapse after collapse after collapse, but this one, because it's Duke, because Louisville's actually a tournament team, like just no business losing this game. Ah, I can't, I'm like, I'm frustrated for Louisville. I'm not even a Louisville fan. So to the Louisville fans listening, like my thoughts with you, it's also got to be a super weird day in Kentucky right now, because like, I don't even know what Kentucky fans are feeling. Like they lose and then they watch Louisville. They lose with, by the way, Papa John is like become a Kentucky fan. This was a Louisville booster high profile forever. And now he's like, he's, this is like the under the radar super, like Tuesday night was, was crazy across college basketball. It really was like one of the weirdest nights of the season. And near the top of that list is, is Papa John in big blue gear. And so anyway, point is Kentucky fans, then they go like after their team loses the next TV window, they think Louisville is going to like give, give Duke its worst loss of the season. Like double digits doesn't happen. And uh, and now and Louisville loses. So, like, shout out to everyone in Kentucky. You're probably having just a super weird Wednesday overall. I noticed the Papa John thing as well. For people who don't follow maybe college football, Louisville used to play its games in Papa John Stadium. Like, that's how closely connected Papa John was with Louisville. And then he, like, got caught on tape just being all racist and stuff. <laughs> and, and, like, Kentucky apparently just said, oh, hey, you can be racist with us because now he's, like, sitting right behind the bench. And got Jeez. on his blue Kentucky gear, so that is an interesting little uh, change of allegiances in the in the Commonwealth. And yeah, what a weird day! Like I talk radio, and, and I think Myron Metcalf tweeted this uh, on Tuesday night. My uh, talk radio in, in the state of Kentucky um, is going to be interesting on Wednesday because you've got, and we'll get to this momentarily. Kentucky's ten game winning streak coming to a close. Uh, they lose for the first time inside Rupp Arena, and then Louisville with just an all-time collapse. I mean, it could have been an amazing day on Louisville Talk Radio with uh, the Cardinals upsetting Duke and Kentucky losing on the same night, but then uh, Kentucky and, and Louisville end up both losing, so it's just misery uh, no matter whether you're wearing red or blue. Yeah, and one more note here. I noticed Pat Forty tweeted this, and I, I would have forgotten it uh, had he not brought it up, but Louisville has been subject to – uh, just freakish losses in back-to-back seasons. Because uh, I never, I can't remember where I was, but I, I was not around a television last season when Virginia won 67-66. DeAndre Hunter hit that bucket at the end. But, like, there was a weird confluence of events. Like, five things happened. They all went against Louisville, and the probability. Dude, I remember correctly, they were up. Louisville was up, like, four with less than a second to yeah, play. Or something, something. Yeah, something. Yeah, yes, like something like that. So, so Cardinals fans have just taken on – like truly freakish losses uh, in back-to-back seasons. Now uh, this season should be a little bit better because I maintain the Cardinals are going to get into the tournament with ease. But uh, so I, you know, to Louisville fans, I don't know which one's worse. I'm, I'm guessing the Duke one's worse because the lead was bigger and it's Duke and all the other factors that go into that. Whereas the Virginia one, uh, it was just probably just like this weird, like they just took the air right out of your chest with the way they were able to pull out uh, that one. But anyway, so uh, Cardinals fans. Have uh, have taken on enough L's 
Uh, pun really not intended there, just between that stuff and all the NCAA stuff. They're they're really ready for something. <laughs> something, generally speaking, to go right for them in the big picture. Uh, maybe maybe we'll have a special March run. I don't know. But Chris Mack, still the ACC coach of the year, in my opinion, even in spite of this loss. But maybe it's so – I don't know. Maybe, maybe you think, Paris, like maybe this loss is so bad that it should remove him from conversation or consideration. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, just – what a what a weird game. Yeah, I'm not going to get caught up in uh, you know basing awards or flipping um, you know opinions based on the the result of of one single 40 minute basketball game. It's a bad loss and a and a horrible collapse. But you know I think Louisville's still good. I think Chris is still overachieving relative to to what he inherited, what was expected. Uh, big picture, it's all good stuff at Louisville, the present and the future. But um, what a bad night. And to answer your question, what's worse, last season's improbable loss to Virginia when, again, if I remember correctly, they were up like four with less than a second to play. Think about what I'm saying. Four points with less than a second to play. How do you lose? And didn't, like, they, have, all... like, didn't they have the ball, though, too? Like, I don't know. I, maybe I'm wrong on that. I thought there was like a whole bunch of weird stuff like you just present yeah, A, B, and a, C. Yeah. Like, there was a technical foul or something. I, I, I you, People can look it up. But it was like – there, if I tell you this team is up this many points with this much time to play, there, and I say now try to explain to me how they're going to lose. Like it's almost hard to explain. Like you can't. It's like it's, you have to think for a second to come up with a way it could actually happen, and yet it uh, it actually happened. So that was crazy. This was worse, and here's why. You you sort of touched on it, even if you didn't know you were doing it. Um, that's what she said. You you weren't even watching Virginia. Uh, Louisville last season um, I, I bet you a whole bunch of people weren't everybody was watching this because Duke is the biggest thing in college basketball by a significant margin ticket sales show that when they're playing on the road I don't know if you saw recently like StubHub or somebody probably SeatGeek hope it was SeatGeek because that's the secondary ticket market site I use um, released some data that just shows like here's the average ticket price for a you know, a Clemson home game. But here's what happens when Duke's there. You know, here's the average ticket price for a Florida State game, but here's what happened when Duke's there. So it's big jumps. And and then television ratings, like, underline all that. So Duke's the biggest thing in college basketball. Zion is the biggest thing in college basketball. And when they go down big, uh, particularly on a Tuesday night where, you know, there was some NBA action, but college basketball was sort of on center stage, everybody starts to pay attention to that. You know, ooh, Duke's getting his brains beat in. Let's flip that on. So by the time Louisville starts falling apart on national television, if you're a, even a casual sports fan, you, you've turned it over to that. Either because you love Duke and you're watching anyway, or you hate Duke and you want to watch them suffer, or you just love interesting sports stories and, and, and Duke getting its brains beat in is, is one of them. Particularly, you know, just a few days after Duke had gone to Virginia, makes 13 threes, wins by double digits. My point being, everybody was watching this one, the, you know, and everybody will remember this one. You could like when when you started telling the story, this is the second year in a row that Louisville has just taken a weird, weird loss. I didn't know what you were talking about. I didn't remember it until you said it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that was crazy. This is one. If you ever say, remember the year Zion was at Duke and Duke was in that game at Louisville? I will be able to immediately say, yeah, down 23 points, less than 10 to play, come back and win it. I'll remember. I'll, I don't. I'm not the guy who remembers everything from every season. This is one that I don't think most people forget. This one's worse. Yeah. Well, you forget like 
you forgot we were in Chicago like eight days after we left Chicago. <laughs> I so. did. And I'm and I'm calling out by the way, it was a crazy night in hoops. Our buddy Jeff Goodman, who's just ridiculous, he uh he puts Duke winning as number one in the quote order of craziness and two was Hawks beat Lakers. Like what? <laughs> but Hawks beat Lakers over Penn State over Michigan, L S U and UK, John Beeline getting ejected from the Michigan game. Never forget me. <laughs> JP, what are the chances a year from now you're gonna you're gonna remember? Luke Walton's last game as the Lakers coach, maybe, but uh, Hawks. hashtag Hawks beat Lakers. I'm just dying seeing that. Anyway, all right, you, continue. You can't, you can't pile on Goodman. He's doing the best he can, right? <laughs> Hawks he's doing, beat he's doing the best he can. Um, Borzella replied, "It was so crazy. This was the first time you mentioned it all night." All right. Anyway, he's, he's doing the best he can. Kentucky's ten-game winning streak was snapped on Tuesday night. We're going to get into that next, but first. Check this out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads, Make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. So Kentucky entered Tuesday with a 10-game winning streak and a perfect 13-0 record at home. Wildcats were 8.5-point favorites over LSU. And I had said earlier in the day in a video uh, for CBS Sports HQ that I'd take those points if I were a gambler. So I wasn't surprised that the game was close. But I'm not going to pretend I thought it was going to be 71-71 in the final seconds. But, but that's what it was. LSU had the ball. Ticks remaining. Skylar Mays gets to the rim. Misses. But Cavell Bigby-Williams gets the tip in. Refs call it good in real time, even though it appeared to be basket interference. So they quickly go over to the monitor, but only to see if the tip and beat the buzzer, which it clearly did. But they were not allowed by rule to review whether it was basket interference or not. Crazy as that might sound, it's true. In other words, once the officials confirmed that Bigby Williams tip beat the buzzer, that was that game over. Final score, number 19, LSU 73, number 5, Kentucky 71. So UK's 10-game winning streak, again, it's been snapped. LSU, 8.5-point underdog, gets its first big signature win of the season. Um, obviously a controversial win, sort of a weird deal. The idea that on the same night, Duke wins because of a call that can be reviewed in the final seconds, and Kentucky loses – and, and this doesn't mean Kentucky would have won in overtime, but Kentucky loses in regulation. 
um, because of a call that can't be reviewed in the final seconds. John Calipari asked the question afterward, why would you not be able to review that? And the answer is because those are the rules. But his question was more like, why is that the rule? Like, why does that make any sense? It's such an easy thing to, to look at. If you go look at it, it's quite clear, basket interference. And yet the officials go to the monitor and what they have to do is just to see if the tip was good or not in terms of beat the clock or not. And as they're doing that, they can clearly see, because the whole world can clearly see, um, there is basket interference, but, oh, we can't do anything about it. And so Kentucky fans were upset, and uh, I understand why. There's a whole mess thing of going on. There's a whole mess going on there because P.J. Washington also puts his hand through the cylinder, which isn't necessarily goaltending, but the camera angle from above the hoop clearly catches Washington his hand touching the rim to the point where the camera shakes. The camera's shaking, the backboard's shaking. From there, it's then a judgment call from the officials whether that is goaltending even before we get to the offensive interference on behalf of LSU. None of that's reviewable, whatever. LSU fans, Kentucky fans, they're you know doing the, whatever they're doing in my mentions, online, have a ball, whatever, see in the SEC tournaments. We talked about this, I remember, on the podcast in the tournament three years ago when I advocated that they change this rule because it got UCLA a win over SMU in the NCAA tournament on a goaltending call, okay? And, GP, I might be misremembering this, but I could have sworn that you were good with this because it opens up, like, they can't review that. And now there's all these calls to have it changed, and maybe it will. This is an odd year. I believe odd-numbered years are when – uh, legislation when it comes to the rule book can be changed. So this will probably get a lot of discussion. We'll see if anything like this happens again. But the reason why it can't be changed right now is within some of the coaching community and certainly the, offici- the officials that uh, uh, the governing board that looks over this is what they'll say is if you are doing this, if you are, if you want to make, uh, you know, the LSU, uh, you know, basket interference call, reviewable well then shouldn't that mean that pj washington's goaltending call should be reviewable okay well then what if you've got a foul 14 feet off the ball that we missed doesn't that have to be reviewable and if all of those things and something else is reviewable what is the line of demarcation is it only the final possession of the game is it in the final two minutes is it in the final minute so there's a lot of other things that will go into this discussion i know we have serious review fatigue i don't disagree my compromise to that would be eliminate almost all review prior to the final two minutes of each half and overtime. Maybe that'll get us to accelerate it just a little bit. But when it comes to the final play of a game, I simply don't care. I want everything to be reviewable because you are deciding games. And eventually, you know, you'll be deciding NCAA tournament games. You've had stuff that this has crept up on. So I'm good with looking at that and that. And you know what? If there's something else off the ball, looking at that too, um, you know, but again, it just gets into a gray area because then you're like, well, are we going to review foul calls that we didn't call? Is that any philosophically? Is that any different than us reviewing a goaltend call that we didn't call? Those are questions that the NCAA, its officials, its coaches, um, they'll have to ask. But I do think this will at least be brought up. What are your thoughts, GP? I do recognize that it's it's more complex than maybe most people, including myself, make it out to be. Um, because you, you do have to draw a line somewhere. Because if you want to get into the habit of it's a final possession. So, like, if you want to review everything on a final possession, well, my God, if you're looking for it with 10 dudes on a court and, a you know, a, an offensive rebound, players fighting for it, you're going to find a foul if you want to find one. 
I mean, it's there every time. Somebody fouling somebody, you know, whether it's just a hand here or, a, you know, an elbow there. So if I, I think that's going too far. At some point, you just got to let the game play out. And if the refs call it, they call it. If they don't, they don't. But I think what makes this one a little, I don't know, a little more worthy of, of discussion is that we know that the officials are staring at a monitor and they're seeing the exact same thing we're, we're watching which is basket interference and their hands are tied. Like I, I can't imagine being on that crew and we're sitting there huddling and we're there to do one job. And that's just to see if the, if the tip beat the buzzer or not, that's our only job, but you still see the whole play and how it unfolded. And I guarantee you, if they didn't verbalize it, they at least thought it. Uh Oh, yeah, we missed, of course, you know, missed it. And then they got to go out and tell John Calipari the tip is good, and John's saying, what about basket interference? And they're saying we can't review basket interference. Um, so I, I guess I'm, I could argue both sides of this. Um, it, it just sort of feels wrong to have such an obvious replay that the refs are looking at, and yet they, they can't fix it to, to, to make it right. But I do recognize that if you allow that to be reviewed, which is by definition a live ball judgment call, then where do you draw that line? You know, is, is it going to be on a uh, a uh, guy takes a three pointer at the buzzer? He might have got hit, but the refs didn't blow the whistle. Now we're going to go to the monitor see if he did get hit. And if he did, we're going to give him three free throws. Like, is that really what we want at the end of games? So, um, I don't think. There are people right now arguing both sides. I don't think it's a it's a simple argument, um, and it's it's probably why this you know this it's still written the way it's written because there's not a there's not an obvious great solution to the problem we encountered in this LSU Kentucky game. And the Cam Reddish charge that wasn't that's a new rule uh, that either got put in place. I thought two seasons ago, maybe just this past season, that would not have been you know. Three years ago, that's 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 a charge, and it's not up for review. And then, uh, you know, guess potentially the game's going to overtime, or Louisville's winning at the buzzer. Who knows? Um, so we'll wait and see if this also changes. Um, I I would be in favor of it. I and I trust me, I have review fatigue, and I I would love if uh, you know what if if the officials call a two, but it was it was a three, and there's seven fifteen to go in the first half, and you miss it. You know what? You miss it. You've got another. 48 possessions coming in a game. The teams will shake out, deal with it. I'm all for having a correct review in the final minutes when it just, uh, let's face it, you know, basketball, the, the, the mere strategy of how the game is played often changes in the final two minutes. Uh, I'll just say real quick here, um, Kentucky losing just adds a little more urgency to the Tennessee game, obviously. And LSU, which we've talked about a little bit on the podcast here, uh, it played well enough to win. Like the the ending of the game will dominate the conversation, as I guess it should. But just you know, LSU's twenty and four has lost once in two months. Uh, it was at home to Arkansas by one point earlier this month. Offensively, it's played well. It did this when they didn't even get a good game from Tremont Waters. You know, uh, Nasreed played well. Skylar Mays played well. He was the one who actually put up the layup that didn't go in um, before uh, Cavell Bigby Williams hit a hit. You know, <laughs> illegally put the ball in that they uh, that they counted. So uh, I was impressed by 
how good LSU looked in a road environment. And so just, you know, at least put that out there. They're now, they're the ones that are in second place in the SEC, putting Kentucky uh, putting Kentucky in third. So I know we were going to dominate talking about the call, but I did want to give the Tigers their props because they have, uh, they have lived up to their talent for the most part this season. No, well, like you said, we have been talking about LSU because they've been on this uh, pretty impressive run. And one of the points I'd made earlier in the week is that they hadn't really jumped into most people's national conversation because they hadn't they, they had zero wins over currently ranked teams. And the point I'd made is that they have an opportunity to change that on Tuesday night. It's like you're going to be on national television inside Rupp Arena against a Kentucky team on a 10-game winning streak that's undefeated at home and ranked in the top five. You want to get attention? Go beat them. And um, that's exactly what they did. And, yeah, the ending was controversial, but there was nothing crazy about LSU winning that game. They played well enough to win. They didn't get lucky. The refs didn't gift it to them. Um, I know that the call went the wrong way um, at the buzzer, but LSU could have reasonably won that game under different circumstances. And if it would have gone to overtime, could have reasonably won the game then. And then afterward, I don't know if you saw the – post-game interview Laura Rutledge I think it was talking to to Will Wade and Will just sort of said hey listen you know he was like my guys are good like we're we're a good team and uh, I thought this was interesting he said we're not we're playing this season's Kentucky team yes I heard this I know that was interesting yeah we're not playing John Wall you know Uh, DeMarcus Cousins is not on the court I'm adding names here he didn't say this but um he seemed to say like some of these Kentucky teams have been monsters in the past the, you know, the Carl Anthony Towns team, the John Wall team, the Anthony Davis team. Um, this is different than that, and we can play with them. And I do think it helps that he's got two five-star freshmen who have been playing against these Kentucky freshmen presumably most of their lives. And he's got a, a sophomore guard that's, um, I was going to say as good as, I'd, I'd maybe argue better than any guard that Kentucky's got on its roster. The truth is, if you go back to the preseason and pull some of these podcasts, we had a conversation one time. We said team ranked outside of the top 20 preseason AP poll that could go to the Final Four. And my answer was LSU. And the reason was simple. You bring back a guard like Tremont Waters and you add two five-star freshmen, uh, that's a team that's talented enough to go do anything. And and right now they, they look like they're talented enough to go do anything. That win in Rupp Arena, controversial, sure, but also impressive. Yes, impressive. Next up for LSU is at Georgia on on saturday um so you'll have the coach of lsu who kind of threw kentucky's players under the bus on tuesday night <laughs> you'll have the coach of georgia who throws his own players under the bus <laughs> last weekend so uh interesting coaching matchup there but with kentucky you know we'll obviously preview the uh the uk tennessee game uh later in the week i will be in lexington for that game as well so we'll uh we'll keep i guess kentucky thoughts and just general thoughts on that uh on the friday podcast uh, just a few more interesting results from Tuesday night, and then uh, we will get out of here because it's now 2.05 a.m. Eastern. Uh, number 18, Kansas State, one at Texas to keep a two-game lead in the loss column of the Big 12 standings. So KSU, for whatever it's worth, is now projected by Kimpom to win the Big 12 title outright. Meantime, number six, Michigan, seven-point favorite at Penn State, loses 75-69, and John Beeline gets ejected. For the first time since 1979, just the second time in his head coaching career, first time since 1979. Thoughts on any of that? Uh, shouts to Smashing Pumpkins. Um, maybe their best song, 1979. So that's that's my initial thought. Um, K-State is... What are you talking about? The world is a vampire. That's the best <laughs> song. My man said the world's a vampire. I'd say I'd go 79. <laughs> okay. My dude announced. Can you name the dude? Hold on. What's his name? 
Billy Corgan. There we go. Okay. All right. well, I, yeah. l- late hour. Didn't know if you'd know it. Um, <laughs> I grew up with the smash. Grew up with Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, what yeah, are you really? about? Tell Just me. Tell I... me their drummer's name. Drummer's name. Last. Can you even give me the last name? Don't. Don't cheat. Yeah, I'm not. I swear to God, I'm not cheating. But I feel like very good drummer. Is it? I'm. I can. Long hair. I don't know if he had like exceedingly long hair. If he did, I don't. I don't know. I know black. I see black hair. No, that's no. You're thinking of the wrong instrument. Okay, who am I thinking of? You are thinking of the guitarist. Who is Smashing Pumpkins drummer? Jimmy Chamberlain. Anyway, it's freaking late. We the don't need to. world is a vampire. Shouts to Cherub Rock as well. Terrific song. Um. Uh, so K State's projected to win the Big Twelve. It was Iowa State like a minute and a half ago. So we'll see how how those forecasts work out. But you know what? K State got. I thought Texas was going to win tonight. It didn't. K State also doesn't have uh, Cartier Jara for the indefinite future. He's a relatively important player, I would think. And we'll see if that winds up being a factor or not. Um, Kansas, uh, you know, obviously got a good win recently and. And we'll see if it can, if it can keep going. Michigan just, you know, beeline getting ejected. I was watching that as it happened, um, and he got fired up. There was a, there was what looked to be a moving screen that wasn't called against Xavier Simpson. And so then, uh, who knows what he said? His body language didn't indicate that he should have been thrown out of the game. But nevertheless, John Beeline got, got straight up kicked out of a game. I was not even alive the last time that happened. Parrish was, I think, fourteen. But it's been, it's been a while since <laughs> we saw that. Two. I was two. <laughs> anyway, Beeline gets kicked out. The top of the my last thought on this is this: top of the Big Ten is way hazier than anyone thought was going to be uh, the case three weeks ago. You had Maryland getting a nice win on Tuesday as well over Purdue to keep pace in the Big Ten, and the Michigan State won at Wisconsin. So right now, Michigan State and Michigan are both eleven and three. Purdue's ten and three. Maryland's ten and four. And then Wisconsin's. I I think they're out of the race at this point. They're nine and five. Um, I think you're going to see Michigan State or Michigan win the league, but you know, Purdue's lost column. They're still they're right there, and then Maryland's within shouting distance. Uh, just Michigan offensively, they're they're not as good as as they really should be. And I think that's a little bit of concern, and frankly, a surprise. They've been good defensively throughout the entire season, but uh, but they are not getting quite as much as they need. I think out of Xavier Simpson on that end of the floor, and then Charles Matthews is a f- very fine player and has been playing well, but. Almost think that he and Jordan Poole can be a little bit more consistent. But, yeah, just one of those weird outcomes. Like, Pat Chambers probably going to get fired, but, hell, he'd be, he beat a Michigan team that could win the national championship. So, shouts to him. And, uh, it's, you know what, those kind of wins and, and bad seasons, like, it's the exact opposite feeling of whatever Chris Mack was going through tonight. Pat Chambers will uh, will cherish that because who knows if, you know, when's the next time he's going to be involved in a win like that as unexpected and, and obviously uh, just important to him. How about Penn State? Nine and fifteen overall, two and eleven in the Big Ten. Wins over Michigan and Virginia Tech. <laughs> what? This sport is hey. drunk. Yep. And uh, still, for whatever it's worth, top sixty at Ken Palm. So, like, the record's bad, but like the computer numbers suggest that that's that's not a terrible basketball team. And they have been. I know they're two and eleven, but they've been competitive um, in some games. You know, one of the losses is six point loss at Nebraska. You know, seven-point loss to Iowa, one-point loss at Minnesota, four-point loss to Rutgers, OT loss to Purdue, um, four-point loss at Ohio State. Um, I know he's on the hot seat, and I know sometimes schools just want to do change for change, um, for change for the sake of change. But, like, that's – that's 
I, I don't want to be stupid. Uh, you know, it, if you're two and eleven in your league, you're not good. But th- that's the best two and eleven in a league team in the country, maybe. You give me that at least. Uh, I'll give you that, yeah. But I'll also give you it because it's two ten in the morning. What are we even doing? <laughs> the world is a vampire. <laughs> We've got Paris singing, smashing pumpkins. Only on the Eye on College Basketball podcast. Do you know the next line to the song? The world is a vampire. No. And then it's something like. What is that? What it's I don't like? Know what, it is. Uh, uh, what do you think of that? What do you? What are your thoughts on the? Uh, despite all my rage, I'm still such a still you know just a rat in a cage. Yeah, I would think if I was filled with all that rage, I would be something more than just a rat in a cage. Yeah. But Billy wasn't. He was. He was. He was filled with rage and yet still just a rat in a cage. It's sort of disappointing. Sad when you think about it. You know. To uh, I forget whose bit this is. If it's. Simmons or whomever, but uh, Bill Simmons. But all right, but we'll end on this. We got to get out of here. But Smashing Pumpkins, <laughs> overrated, underrated, properly rated. Properly rated? I like those first few albums. I think I, would... I I think I lean just slightly overrated. But there's some good stuff. But I think I lean just slightly overrated. But I think I saw some interview with Billy Corgan too on Howard Stern where he's convinced he like talked to dead people or like was abducted by aliens or something crazy. He's got these crazy stories. I think that's true. That's what happens when you podcast at 2.10 in the morning. We're probably well on our way there as well. So, The world is a vampire. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle, the legend. Shouts to Larnell. And if you haven't done it yet, please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Best way to make sure when you wake up on a Wednesday morning, boom, it's already in your phone. You're listening to us on the ride to work. Yeah, we might talk about Leaky Black or Camel Fighting. We might talk about Duke or Kentucky or Smashing Pumpkins. You never know, especially at 2.12 a.m. So you go subscribe if you haven't already. If you have subscribed, shouts to you. You're the Larnell of our hearts. And we're going to talk to you again on Thursday night. Till then, take care.